But you need to demand of him one day that he preach the sermon that he wrote for today. It's very, very good. We come to God in prayer, a prayer of illumination. Let us pray. God of all life, speak to the parts of our being where our identity is shaped and our behavior is formed. And instill in us your spirit of life that we may live into the new world you brought in Christ, through whom we pray. Amen. This morning I want to explore a question that Jesus asked of the followers of John the Baptist. And I want to explore that question because I think it's a good question for us to reflect on at the beginning of a new year. I begin then with John the Baptist. In many ways, John would have been enough to satisfy people's longings. He had a moral message. He lived an exemplary life. He provided an urgent call away from evil toward goodness. He rallied a tight and growing group of followers with a message to change the world. He was a person who lived his message, arising from a long and deep heritage of faith. It's not surprising then that there were people satisfied to be followers of John. He was more than enough for them. But John knew that the world needed more than him, much more. The people of Israel were up against it. They were up against the powerful, oppressive Roman Empire, taxing harshly, silencing critics, advantaging the rich, compromising faith. With an impressive army and a powerful emperor and an efficient exercise of rule, supported by a coherent philosophy and ethic. And in the face of this then, the people of Israel, including John and his followers, were puny and powerless. The world, their world, needed more than John. They needed a new world a new world with a substantially different practice of power and a more inclusive ethic that inspired respect and that could be lived by everyone. John's heritage of faith had spoken of that world for generations and they had seen hints of it over the years, of creation in harmony, of just rule, of compassionate action, of nations at peace, and much, much more. So a richly new world seemed possible. And John pointed beyond himself to that world and to the one who would bring that world and embody that world. And in our day, we too catch glimpses of that world and 
There are many who thereby are drawn to it. I was brought up in a loving home in a country town. Our family had lived there for well over a hundred years. My parents did for me as much as any parents could. I had, a good I had good teachers at a good school. And a teacher encouraged me to go to university and to study law. This was more than I had dreamed. None of my family had a tertiary education. And so here I was at the beginning of 1972, pinching myself to be at university and at law school. I was living in a Baptist hostel. It was the first time I'd lived close to Christians. There wasn't anything special about them. They had all this fa the same failings I had seen in other people. But over time, I noticed that they had something I did not have a purpose for their lives, a reason for being, a vision to live by. It was one thing to study and work and achieve more than I could ever have hoped for, ever have imagined, but what for? What for? And that question gnawed away at me. And over time, I came to want what they had. So one night in my bedroom, in the hostel, I knelt beside my bed and I prayed a prayer something like this. God, I don't know what they have, but I would like it. And over time that prayer took hold of me and it continues to gnaw at me. The sense that a new world of justice and love is possible and that the arc of history is bent towards it, as Martin Luther King said. And God planted in me through the Holy Spirit a desire to be part of God's new world. A pause. Now, there was nothing wrong with John the Baptist, <coughs> but he wasn't enough. And yet, he was such a faithful prophet that he fed people's hunger and schooled people's longing for the new world long promised in the Jewish faith. And Jesus taps into that longing when he asks what is in John the first question that Jesus asks? What are you looking for? What are you looking for? What are you looking for? It's a good question to ask at the beginning of a new year because it taps into our deeper identity, into what we imagine we are for, into what we might lend our weight this year. So I want us 
just for the moment to exercise some imagination. And imagine that you are alone somewhere and there is silence and you have plenty of time. And you're thinking about the year ahead and about your life and you wonder, when I attain what I aim for, when I get the role I really wanted, when my family is harmonious, when my church is healthy, when it seems like I want for nothing and I feel content, is this most deeply what I am looking for? Is this most deeply what I am looking for? Now that's a deeply personal, prayerful question. And it may be that instead of seeing it personally and individually, we want this year to see it more broadly, more widely. So when I look upon myself in community, as I read the newspaper and follow the news, can I imagine Jesus standing there and asking me the question, what are you looking for? What, what are you looking for? What, what are you looking for? It's a question for every stage of life. When we choose what jobs we want to apply for, when we decide what values we want to have guiding our family, when we think about our workplace and our colleagues, when we retire and have some discretionary time, what are we looking for? John saw in Jesus the new world God had promised and he pointed people to that world. And the images that were attached to Jesus help us see signs of that world even in our time. I just want to pick out a couple from today's text. John saw Jesus coming towards him and declared, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is an ever-present figure who takes sin away from our world. Wow. Wow. The sin that leads Russia to invade Ukraine. Oh God, take away the sin of the world. The sin that sets people warring in South Sudan and Yemen and Palestine generation after generation. Oh God, take away the sin of the world. The sin that deepens division in our country, the economic divide that leaves children in poverty. Oh God, take away the sin of the world. The sin in our own 
heart, my own heart, that reveals itself every day. Oh God, take away the sin of the world. But not just taking sin away, infusing us with life-giving spirit, with life that flows from God's new world, the very life that animates our world, that pulses through creation, the love that burns at the heart of all that is good, this is available to us every day. As we open ourselves to that spirit, so she draws us step by step into the new world God means for all creation, uncovering layer upon layer, taking us beyond the superficial, into the deep waters of discipleship. John said of Jesus, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Baptism in the Holy Spirit is a process by which we are constantly receiving God's own Spirit, opening our eyes to the presence of God's new world here and now. On the night I was inducted into ministry at Knox Church, the second Presbyterian church just along the road, a student was passing, saw the lights on and so came in. He, he was sufficiently intrigued by all of this stuff that he went home and told his girlfriend about it. Now, she'd been to a church school years before, hadn't been to church for years. But the following Sunday, she turned up. And for the rest of her years in Dunedin, she became part. She was part of the congregation. And I asked her one Sunday to talk about her, new, her fresh faith. And she talked about many things, but she talked about one thing that I remember in particular how one day she was walking down Pitt Street to the university as she had many times before. And as she got about halfway down, she looked and she saw what she hadn't seen before, just how beautiful it was. And she said she stood there standing just for 10 minutes looking and looking at the beauty of what was around. She said that was the difference that faith, one of the things that faith had done for her. But sometimes, you know, the Spirit reveals after we could have seen, later, opens our eyes to what we could have seen and we're given an opportunity to do something about it. Last year, there were a series on television about the dawn raids in Auckland in the 1970s. Now at the time, I was a young lawyer and I was a youth group leader and we were engaging with the Pacific Islanders Church in Newton, in, in uh, the top of Queen Street. 
But it wasn't until I saw that television program and saw one of the youth leaders, who's now a minister, talking about what it meant. I hadn't realized the depth of pain and the effort that had it taken and the struggle they had been involved in. And so I contacted him and I apologized for what I hadn't seen in the 1970s. That's what the Spirit does. It opens our eyes to what's around us in a particular way. What are you looking for? What are you looking for? And it's interesting that after Jesus asks the question, the followers of John say, where are you staying? That's their response, a strange response in a way. Where are you staying? But they knew that seeing takes time. And it takes time arising from this relationship with the Christ, the Christ who opens the eyes, the Christ who animates the heart, the Christ who helps people go beyond the superficial. The Christ who enables us to repent years after we should have seen what we didn't see. Experiments have shown that whether we see depends on what we're looking for. For me, John isn't enough. I'm looking for Jesus, for this new world, this significantly, substantially, qualitatively different world that we see embodied in the Christ. Let's sit with the question for a while. What are you looking for? What are you looking for this year? What are you looking for this year? Let's just sit in quietness and then I'll announce the Gracious God, you have seen into our hearts this morning. You have asked us a question. And we pray that you would take our working with that question this week. Take it in love in joy, in hope. O companion God, who walks with us on the way, go with us this week with that question in our minds. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.